Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are learning from Jumping Backslash, who is a returning guest on this podcast, but he is a musician, he is a producer, and he is a grumpy old geezer, and I have got a lot of love for JBS, and I've got a lot of love for this conversation that we have today. Uh, it is, yeah, it's pretty real. There's a lot that goes on here, because we talk about uh, his descent into madness, essentially, over the last two years, you know? I think it's something we can all relate to, uh, considering the isolation and the compounding effects of everything that's been going on. That is something we get into a little bit later. Um, if this sounds a little soft, I'm sorry. I'm going to try bring the levels up just now. I am coming to you from my mom and grand's place up here in Joburg. And yeah, I'm try they're, they're, they're busy sleeping. So I'm busy trying to keep it at a reasonable level so as not to wake them up. But yeah, man, this is this is such a good chat. It really is. And it's like a lot of the stuff that we were talking about has actually come up more since we had the conversation. So we had this conversation on Wednesday. And then yesterday, I met up with a bunch of people. I met up with Coco, a.k.a. <laughs> Colleen Bolchen, who was also an ex-guest and who will be a guest next week. We did a little catch-up, chatted to Mojak Lohoko. He's also, we recorded a little thing. And then I chatted to Samiara, and we haven't recorded. I don't know if we're going to record, but we are meeting up again. And he's had a bit of an interesting week, which relates quite um, kind of a lot to the conversation that we have today. Because, yeah, one of the things that comes up with this conversation is, you know, the gigs you don't take being the important ones. And that, you know, sometimes you've got to make hard decisions. Sometimes... You know, if you want change to happen, if you actually care about the things that you say you care about, if you represent certain ideals, then you have to represent those ideals when it's hard, you know, when your principles are tested or when it really matters. And that, yeah, as I say, it came up a few times with the conversations I've had, but as I'm sure some of you have seen um, on the internet, and especially if you follow uh, the almost perfect Twitter. I'm back on Twitter. I've given up on giving up on Twitter for now. Oh, it's like smoking. <laughs> you know, I can I can kind of quit for a bit and then just go full on back into it. But yeah, you would have seen on Twitter that there's this panel happening, but it's not really a panel, but it looks like it's a panel, but it's like this conference thing, this online conference thing that Biz Community is doing with uh, John Savage. It's his thing. Like, it's him and this other dude. I can't remember the other dude. But, like, obviously, John Savage is the face of the company. And, yeah, it's Mac G, who has been transphobic, homophobic, all those things. It's uh, Gareth Cliff, who has been a puss his entire fucking life. And recently was openly racist, you know? <laughs> it's like he's been tacitly racist for a while now. But, yeah, he, he just came out with it recently. And then 
the rest of the panelists are all men. Simi is one of them. John Savage is one of them. And I can't remember the other guy because I know he's involved in media and stuff like that. And yeah, whatever. But it's like three white dudes. And of those three white dudes, one of those dudes is racist. And then it's two other dudes, you know, are people of color, you know. <laughs> and one of those dudes is a transphobe. So, and a homophobe. So, yeah. I mean, you can say Mac G's repented or whatever. And you can have your opinions and stuff like that. But obviously, in terms of optics, that's a terrible fucking lineup. Like, in 2021, no woman, no queer people, no, yeah, <laughs> no representation, as they say. And representation really does fucking matter. Like, that's something we've been stressing for so long. And <laughs> it's, I'm sure you guys saw some of what I said and... I think it's whack as fuck to have five dudes like in the thing being like this is what podcasting is about and like it's not just podcasting it's audio media and it's aimed at like brands and people in business you know and stuff like that so it's not really aimed at us anyway so I kind of get the lineup you know <laughs> in that regard like you know you want to chat to people doing big numbers and you know Mac G and Gareth I don't know about Gareth, but, like, Mac G does numbers. Like, I can see that. I can visually see that on YouTube. That, even to this day, despite his things, you know, people do. So, I, I can understand the bookings. But I can also understand that, uh... Yeah, what the fuck? Like, why are you endorsing these people? Why are you... Why are you fucking doing this in 2021? Like, it's just... We have... At this point, come the fuck on. Like, even 10 years ago, like, this would be whack. <laughs> so, at this point, I don't know. Because, like, to me, off the bat, it was like, it's weird that Tex isn't there. Like, I'm not super into her work, you know? Like, just different philosophies, I guess. But I do appreciate what she's done. Like, I can fucking see that she's achieved a hell of a lot. And she's working with big brands and is making actual money with podcasting. So why is she not there? Maybe she wasn't available. I don't know. But there are many other people in podcasting in South Africa. And if you do care about representation, then you will find them. Like, you know, if you're putting together events and you're doing things, then that is part of your responsibility. It's to make sure that people are represented. Make sure that you can show people that there is space for them. Like, but when you do this, you're just saying, like, other people don't fucking matter. Like, I don't know. In my mind, that's at least the way it looks to me. It's just like, it's just the boys club, you know? And it is. Like, if you look at John Savage and you look at Gareth Cliff and you look at Mac G, they've all been on the radio. They're all friends. Like, they've <laughs> known each other for years. Like... It's it's kind of funny seeing people come from radio and then come into podcasting and, like, utilize those connections. And, yeah, they're making money, you know. <laughs> those people are having a good time when it comes to this thing. And instead of sharing that wealth, instead of, yeah, putting other people on, instead of <laughs> spreading it around a bit, they <laughs> don't. And anyway, I mentioned all of this because as I was saying, like, I chatted to Simi about it. We hung out and 
I watched him <laughs> have to deal with a lot of it. He chatted to quite a few different people to get perspectives and chatted out and just, yeah, I saw some of what went down. I'm not going to say what we said or anything like that. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll talk about it on cast when I see him again this weekend. Maybe we won't. Maybe you can just see what he says online and all of that. But yeah, he announced online tonight that he's withdrawn from it. And personally, I respect the fuck out of that. Like, I know that there's money on the line. There's, you know, connections. There's various other things. And yeah, it's not like he was catching flames for it necessarily. But I know with POC podcasts, like if you just go look at the lineup there, like you'll see, <laughs> like there's queer podcasters on there, there's black podcasters on there, there's women, there's everything. It's literally a representative, you know, podcasting company. And I know that's something that Simi's been interested in, but I'm not the Simi defense force. <laughs> he can defend himself. I'm just saying personally, after the conversations I've had, after this interview, after a lot of stuff, like it does matter. Your decisions matter in these cases, you know, it's like... <laughs> When your principles are tested are the only times they really exist. Like, there are concepts before that. You know, it's just a thing you say until you actually have to do something. So, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, all I've got to say about that. And I said quite a lot there when I wanted to talk to you about gardening. Um, I've been gardening this week and it's been quite cool. Because, yeah, my grand, my mom and I, we went to the nursery the other day. And my grand picked up a bunch of flowers. And yeah, I've planted them all around the garden so she can look out the window uh, when she wakes up and sees flowers. And yeah, it's quite nice. Quite nice. Got some petunias. Got some marigolds. What else are we? <laughs> I can't even remember the names of the other ones. But yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. It's been, you know, fun to... Well, fun. <laughs> it has been fun in its own way, but it's been like somewhat cathartic to be in the garden just digging holes and planting stuff and even yeah just watching it grow over this week like some of them were doing really well some of them not so much so I might move them and yeah it's been a pretty cool experience and then in terms of other cool experiences I want to try rush this because I know I know the intros get long sometimes um is Full Gear which was AEW's latest pay-per-view uh, I'm writing an article about uh, one of the guys who I really have enjoyed watching his story over the last two to three years, uh, Hangman Adam Page. I started writing about it on Monday after he won the title, and I'm like 3,000 words deep now. So I don't know when that's coming out. It might be a two-parter, but it's been really cool to kind of have some inspiration again for just writing, because... I should have just been writing about wrestling the whole fucking time. I mean, I know there's not much of an audience for it, but I find it, like, pretty easy. Like, it just flows. Like, I know the stuff. These are things, like, it's, yeah, it's been quite interesting to just see how much, like, this little passion of mine, like, flows through me. <laughs> when writing about music was always this anxious thing because, like, I know people are going to read it and, like, judge it and like meanwhile i'm judging the music and the thing and like it's weird fucking being a music like journalist and reviewer is a weird thing to do with your time like 
it's somewhat vital. I don't know. Some people seem to appreciate it. But yeah, I've been enjoying writing about wrestling. And that's, I guess, the stuff I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, oh shit, I forgot to tell you. I meant to tell you like in the first two minutes, but whatever. This podcast is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, it would be pretty appreciated because after what I've said now, I'm never getting invited to one of these community things and I don't fucking want to. Uh, but same time, gotta eat. And this podcast is also sponsored. It is sponsored. Um, <laughs> although it's not like, it's not cash sponsorship. We are sponsored by King's House of Herbs on Florida Road. And uh, I, I get to sample their products. And their products contain THC and CBD and facilitate in the ingestion of those chemicals. So works out quite well for me. And then we also sponsored by The Print Room who give me a little kickback. Not a kickback. They, they give me a discount when I get stuff printed with them. So shout-outs to The Print Room and shout-outs to King's. Because that's the vibe for me. You know, I want to work with local businesses. I want to work with <laughs> local businesses. You know, smaller guys. Not necessarily the big names. And not necessarily going after, you know, their corporate nonsense. Like, it's just not for me. So, patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. If you would like to, uh, you know, support this thing. Support my ideals for me, please. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com forward slash almost perfect is where you can go to support the podcast as well as go to the website where there is merch. You can buy a mug and 10 rand from each sale from that goes to Sasonke. Sasonke is an organization working to decriminalize sex work right here in South Africa. Check them out, sasonke.org. The mugs are 100 rand and you can also get t-shirts that are 150 rand. And then, and then lastly, okay, patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. I don't know if you heard that yet, but there is a tier. There's a titular titles tier, and there's a $10 tier, and at this tier, you can pick your title. It's weird. Titular titles tier, and you get to pick your title. Ratcha on the Almost Perfect podcast. So, shout-outs to the team of Rizventura, who is our director of purchasing. Julian, who is our king. Karan Slamon, who is the Almost Perfect hedge fund manager. Russell Grant, the Far East correspondent. Karan Chetty, our assistant to the regional manager. Catherine Jenkin, the inevitable ruler of the universe and Queen Swifty. Neil Green, who is our key grip. And also go check out like the Live from the Winston podcast. This was a thing we used to do back in 2018. I went back and listened to the first episode. And uh, we were talking about Dune back, back then. Head of the game, baby. Head of the game. Uh, also on the team is Tyron Love. Our pantsless weasel. Chief sales officer of Subtle Heresies in the Greater Overberg region is, of course, Rousseau. Our executive producer is Stephen Olivier. Our spiritual advisor is Bishandra Nadu. And our anonymous benefactor is our anonymous benefactor. So uh, that's it. That's the team. Thank you very much for supporting. I uh, greatly appreciate it. And with that all out the way and without further ado, here comes the Almost Perfect Podcast with Jumping Backslash. So how are you living, JBS? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Uh, it's Just humid. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a dog shit year, but um, it's it, yeah, humid at the minute uh, in Neisner, going into the summertime. 
But at least I can swim. So this is, we start swimming normally from Halloween, isn't it? And that oh, to is us it? is like, yeah. So normally Halloween, round about, you know, that period of time, that's when we are going to go swimming in the lagoon. And technically that's the start of our summer. And you, what is it? You know, you bathe in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Purify yourself <laughs> in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. That purple rain thing. Normally that's a good... It's a good period. And then obviously it just gets fucking ruined. In I was going to say, you only have a month of that though. It's nice at the minute. Yeah, it's nice at the minute until the tourists come. And then, and then who, but then who knows? I, I mean, last year we were, everything was closed. So certainly it was, was it, did it, everything closed down on New Year's Eve or before New Year's Eve? Oh, I can't remember I actually, now. I can't even remember. I don't even think I did anything for New Year's. I can't even, I genuinely like my memory of these last two years is so wonky. Like I, cause I've just been inside. Like every day is bled into each other, so it's like it's hard to really yeah. remember what's been going on. Yeah, it, oh god, yeah, fucking hell, it is, that's the worst, isn't it? Not the no, it's not the worst. The worst is the, the the worst aspects of what's going on. But like in terms of some of the existential stuff, that kind of like um, like here I am again, you know, <laughs> in this little position <laughs> at the same time. Here I am again. My days, it does my head in. And that's because we haven't even left either. Do you know what I mean? That, like, I don't. I the last time I left Neisner was January 2020. Shit. I don't count <laughs> yeah. going to George, for example, like leaving Neisner. To be honest, not the same fucking thing. I mean, I get, I get you. You haven't done any extensive traveling. I've so once I've got the um, what's it, my inoculations and stuff. I have been up in Joburg a bit more just to visit family. <clears throat> and stuff like that but yeah it's still sketchy it's still even with people getting vaccinated there's you know we still are in a pandemic and you're someone who seems to at least understand that but for the last year and a half i've seen you losing your fucking head so you're someone who has been pretty angsty with regards to this pandemic and especially the way the you know, the culture and the people involved in organizing events, DJs and musicians and stuff have actually approached this pandemic because a lot of people were playing a lot of fucking shows. Some of them were secret. Some of them were public and basically just, you know, not helping when it came to this thing. But now looking forward, how do you see things for yourself personally uh, working out in terms of being able to get live gigs and stuff, especially after challenging so much of the system in place and then also in general how do you see the scene growing from here or i say the scene but there isn't exactly a scene you know there's many different musical scenes coming together at the moment i guess or not even coming together just doing their own little things so yeah what's your future looking like coming not necessarily coming out of the pandemic but into the quieter parts of this pandemic and then yeah how do you see things on a bigger scale as well yeah, angsty is a good way to describe. Look, obviously, like everybody else, I was just, you know, you kind of like are going through something you never really, never really experienced at the level you're experiencing it. So it drives you a bit mad. And like everybody, I went a bit mad. But at the same time, <laughs> I think that, you know, it's hard to explain. It's like, for myself personally, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't know if people would want to. I mean, look, I wasn't playing shit tons of gigs before the pandemic. I played as and when 
I'm just one of those. I mean, I live in a weird place. I'm not in Joburg. I'm not in Cape Town. So I'm not sort of like out and about. What I do doesn't necessarily fit easily into, you know, what most DJing or a lot of sort of like events are now, which is just kind of like playing on USBs and sort of like boilerplate kind of stuff. So like, it's not like I was playing loads before. I certainly don't think it's <laughs> going to, my views are going to help me like get more gigs. But at the same time, see, that's the thing. I just wouldn't fucking play those things anyway. I'm done with all that shit. So it's like, you know, I'm not, I can't mention names, but like the big techno clubs, do you know what I mean? Like the big one in Cape Town and the big one in Joburg, who I kind of did go after at the beginning of the pandemic a bit. Uh, I wouldn't play there anyway. Do you know what I mean? And I know, I've, and, I, and I've played those places, but like certainly after yeah. all this, I'm like, I'm not going back to that stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's that's part one. Is like, I'm not interested so much in sort of like what bookings people get. I want to know the ones that you refused. Do you know what I mean? That's that's more interesting to me. So, in terms of like where I see this going, I think that it's, you know, obviously this is never probably going to be endemic. This is going to be, chances are, an epidemic. So it's going to go up and down like measles, like chicken pox, like everything else. And it'll probably be like that forever, yeah. I guess, until we just get better and better vaccines or better and better ways of dealing with it. So in terms of what's going to happen to the events industry, it's just going to wax and wane on some level, along with whatever level of lockdown we're at. So, you know... I don't see it necessarily changing. It hasn't fundamentally changed, has it? I mean, all the way through this, I know there were people at level five playing shows, not shows, but like gigs, private gigs, either like large scale house parties or places in the middle of nowhere. That's the thing with this country. You can get away with all kinds of shit. Look at what they're getting away with. Do you know what I mean? In like government or whatever. It's like, so I don't know. It's a hard, I'm going to ramble. I don't really want to ramble, but, for me personally, next year, I wouldn't mind playing shows. I'm up for playing shows, but I'm going to put, you know, it's something I'm talking about with my partner in the label. Like, we'll just put our own shows on. And then at least then we can control it the way that we want to control it. We can present it the way that we want to present it. And, you know, we can do it in the way that we want to do it. If we think fundamentally more than anything else, it's safe enough. I think that if this is an epidemic, then we're all going to have to, I guess, deal with it accordingly. And as long as people are sort of like, on the most part, as vaccinated as possible, and you're double, you know, if you've got two shots and a booster, well, that's about as much as you can do. That obvious, I mean, the thing is, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and make this as brief as possible. And I'm going to try and make this as holistic as possible, just the way that I see shit right now, right? So like, and obviously, A, I'm not an expert, and like everybody says, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an epidemiologist, and all that shit, right? But, Fair. one, like, yeah, we've got an industry, right? Yes, it is an industry. The events industry mm -hmm. is a business like any other business. It has money, it goes in, it goes out. Yes, the government didn't help anybody no. financially during this whole period. I'm not going to say necessarily whether or not a DJ should get a stimulus check or what I think about that. Although what I think about that is they shouldn't. But let's just put that to one side. And obviously in this country, the unemployment rates are sky fucking high, as opposed to in other countries where 
you know, maybe people could get, could find work. Yeah, that's where I'd argue, like, in South Africa, you know, maybe DJs could have done with, you know, a 350 here and there. <laughs> but elsewhere, it's, I don't know, I'd say it's probably, because I think a lot of people in South Africa get into DJing and get into the creative arts because they don't actually have that many other opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, of course. This, But the same, but, okay, let's just say, though, that all those things, I mean, the government isn't going to give you money. At the end of the day, you're, in a country like this, no, I mean, no country on this planet, maybe other than New Zealand and maybe America, which provided stimulus checks, have actually been given any money either. So in terms of where we stand globally with like, are we going to get stimulus checks? You know, we're about the same as a lot of other countries. The, the other so, side of the coin here is massive amounts of public health uh, money has to be found. Because like... The, the private sector aren't going to deal with COVID. So, I mean, yeah, fair enough. People are like sticking their hand in the till, but at the same time, that till is very, very finite with everything that you've got to accomplish in an emergency in a country which is pounded economically from the rest of the world. Now, like I said, I'm going a little bit too deep now, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like... Let's touch up, bro. Say your, say your stuff because this is stuff that like I've enjoyed actually... That's why, like, I mean, I I know it plagues on you because I'm someone who I sometimes I try and speak up on the internet or I try and, like, you know, stand up to what I think is wrong and that. And it can be something that, you know, it plagues on the mind. And you're someone who just continues to, like, stand up and speak about these sorts of things. So I do think it's important. It. No, I mean, I mean, I could just read it, but all I'm saying is now I'm sort of like, I'm my concern is that I just go start talking about insane shit. Not, but all, all I'm saying is that you've got all these, there are all these obvious, because it's all connected. So there's these external things that are happening in this country. That the reality is that COVID needs intensive treatment for long periods of time. No fucking private hospital is ever going to give that to anybody. Like, I mean, if I look at where Unless I live, gang, in terms gang, gang. Like you need really good yeah, medical even, aid, and even then not. Yeah, but even with the good medical aid, they're not going to put you in ICU for two weeks, three weeks. They, it's not how it works. You know, all the private cases ended up at our provincial hospital as well as the provincial yep. cases. That's what they've been doing. That's why George Hospital also was on the verge of collapse because, you know, I, I know having dealing with my father-in-law who had some health issues during the height of the third wave and we had to get him to hospital or at least had to get him uh, some sort of like medical treatment. Uh, our main option was provincial hospital. Obviously, that was exceptionally difficult. I know that the private hospital here only had one bed for COVID. There's no money in COVID for private hospitals. That's why you've got like fucking surgeons, like private surgeons or surgeons in America that fucking are on the breadline because they've had no money for like a year because they can't operate on anybody. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, the point is wow. that you've got this kind you know, you've got this kind of like you've got a finite pot of money. And so what what is happening in a lot of these situations, I guess, is what the government is doing is it's giving you regulations. So the government is saying, all right, during this period of a lockdown, you can have X amount of people in X amount of space with XXX fine whatever not ideal nobody wants that but the government's not going to give you any money so the government knows the only way that it can let people survive is if they just let people operate at a certain level and that's one thing 
which is obviously problematic because from an actuarial point of view, obviously somebody's done the maths and they've gone, because there's a cost to all of this. Yeah. There's a, there's a financial cost and there's an actual corp, corporeal cost, which is how many bod- how many people are going to die during this wave through whatever they do and whatever we do to either mitigate or exacerbate that with our actions economically and politically. So, like, I mean, that's a whole... That's what that's the crazy... This I'm sounding like I'm crazy, but, like... I mean, not at all. We've all accepted... We've all accepted now that there is a cost to us going on, and we know we are going to lose people along the way. And we've accepted that cost. Because at the end of, the, at the end of it all, those people aren't the workforce. As long as it's not killing the fucking workforce... And it's, you know, the over 60s, then it is what it is, right? So we've all accepted it, including including the DJ community. So from my point of view, where I what kind of snapped my brain was a techno club posting music is the answer stuff and saying, you've got to save the scene. We need to get DJs here to do streaming. We've got to save the scene. This is at the height when we were talking about, I guess, Black Lives Matter in the US and also how that reflected on electronic music and the roots of electronic music. Yeah. And I just thought, you, I was like, you tone deaf. And I went off on one. <laughs> I went off on one that got me I into remember. a fair amount of trouble. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everybody fucking does. I went off on one. <laughs> but like, and now everybody's doing it. So the notion of a play grave is like, we're, we're we're just everyone is doing it. It's not now just easy to point your fingers at the business techno sort of daily maverick Facebook techno community and say, well, look at those, you know, that's what they're up to. They're they're all fucking raving. Well, that's and the thing that actually like, problem. it's yeah, that's everybody. the thing that really got to me was you know seeing my friends putting together events, bringing people you know, together during a pandemic and all of those things. And it's, you know, I had some interesting discussions with people. And a lot of the time it was just a matter of like, bro, I've got to pay rent. <laughs> like, I've got no nothing else I can fucking do at the moment. I've invested all this money into this career. You know, I need to e- organize events. I need to put food on the table. And that's where things started to get tricky for me because it's definitely easier for me to, you know, criticize rich people. <laughs> but when it's my own friends busy doing things that I kind of disagree with for reasons that are totally fucking understandable, it really, yeah, it really made things difficult, especially because a lot of those people had been taking the piss out of other people beforehand. But I don't know. I think a pandemic makes hypocrites of us all. Yeah, of course it does. But that's the thing, isn't it, though, that, all of this exists like precariously. So all of this capitalist fucking exercise and experience is like is like a rope bridge over like a fucking massive infinite entropy fucking hole in the in the <laughs> earth. And so one thing tips it and, and this little molecule, this little tiny fucking molecule comes along and exposes everything that we look at totally differently now when you go oh yeah this is a massive fucking problem and so it's like you get up and you do your thing every day you do your th- you do the same fucking thing you get up you 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 know you go to work 
Like I remember when I used to work in London and live in London and work in London. I one day out when I realised, holy shit, I do the same thing. I get on the same fucking carriage on the Bakerloo line. I sit in the same seat. I didn't even know I was doing it. So every day you're in like autopilot, and then the wonder, and then you can't go out no more. And let's say every day you walk past this fucking statue, but you don't look at it. And then one day when you've had two weeks indoors or three weeks indoors or a month indoors to stew in your own fucking juices, when you finally are allowed out and you walk past that mon- that statue, you go, oh, fucking hell, that's a statue of someone that like, killed loads of people. I don't want to see that statue anymore. And we're not at that... St- we don't seem to... We've not seemed to be able to click that into fucking gear where this is concerned. And so in a, in a... I think it's just because this is all just so hard and so heavy, you know, like that people don't want to continue just having to fight and having to challenge everything all the time, you know? Yeah, of course. But then, but then I'd, we can look at that all kinds of different ways. You can say, yeah, you got to look after your mental health. You could say you're just becoming assimilated into something. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's too hard for you to think about, you know, what this little molecule did is within the network of art, what we do, has exposed all of that stuff. Three times as many black people or people of color die of this. Three times as many black people, people of color end up in fucking hospital, right? It kills, oh, so that's like, we've got racism. We've got ableism with people ableism, that are immunocompromised. Ageism. That can't fucking, exactly, ageism. So all the things that people talk about when these things become social currency are exacerbated by social events. So I begin, I say, well, okay, you can, you can, you can say all this, but you're doing that. Yeah. Saying and, you know what I mean? This is what started to drive me fucking crazy because we're just going to go back to the way things are. And there, I mean, the problem is that we this is, this is a almost like multiple singularities. Yeah. Where you end up fucking like <laughs> you're going through the thing reading about the thing you're going to read about the thing that's going to happen next and then you live in the thing that happened next and it's all happening at the same time so obviously it's very difficult to pull this apart but the fact that there's zero accountability in an industry which is constantly calling for accountability right there's zero accountability where this is concerned zero dissemination or examination into what we've been doing in a culture built on solidarity it's all projected solidarity i mean i don't know i mean maybe it was built on that originally but i think what i've seen at least like what this conversation is bringing up for me is that a lot of it's bullshit a lot of the things people say are identities you know a lot of stuff that's happening within our world at the moment is people just projecting something that they think other people want them to project that's how I see a lot of things. I mean, that's how I view my own actions in a lot of cases, you know? And in that regard, everyone is, it's easy to say the right thing on the internet. It's easy to say that this is what I believe and this is what is right. And these are the people that I stand up for. And, you know, like communism, yay. But then, you know, what are your actions? What are you actually doing to bring about the things that you talk about? And that's the thing that always gets to me. And even within myself, you know, I ask myself these questions. And like, it's why I tend these days to talk less on the internet, because I feel like a fraud sometimes. I feel like I'm talking about all the social justice stuff. But meanwhile, 
I'm hardly doing anything on the ground. You know, I do get involved in certain charities and stuff like that, but like nowhere near fucking enough if, you know, we're really going to bring it up about any sort of revolution. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if other people are also looking in the mirror and trying to consider, you know, whether or not they're frauds. Well, we're all frauds. Fair enough. <laughs> but at least, well, we are. I mean, of course, I mean, we're, everybody participates in the, in their own fucking oppression. Do you know what I mean? If we didn't, um, you know, what a if statement, they didn't, but fucking true. Well, but I mean, that's what. Even if you just look at capitalism or or class structures, we it's part of it. Do you know what I mean? It's just that it's it's kind of been shifted into something else where they call where we might call it internal misogyny or whatever the fuck you might want to call it. We are all in this. It's, we're all in this society buying into this society so we of course we're frauds i know that i can think well what am i you know if i if i'm just running my mouth off am i running my mouth off do you know what i mean and i am running my mouth off but i don't know i mean fucking hell why actually why do you keep running your mouth off even though you know it has like all these negative consequences to you personally to your mental health to you know bookings and stuff like that like why why do you keep doing it uh well because i'm well i mean not to sort of lean too heavily into id poll shit but i am i'm white i'm middle-aged i'm male i'm straight i'm an immigrant to a country which is fucked by the country which i come from so i'm in a position where i can say things and the consequences of me saying those things aren't really, you know, if I make the decision, for example, I don't care whether or not any fucker books me again, then it don't matter anymore. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a hundred percent true, but it's a position I have to take. And I guess, I mean, I did the same. I ran myself out of the film industry in this country for that re for this reason. I remember you talking about it last time. Yeah. So it's not like it's without precedent. I mean, the problem is now it just seems so fruitless because it's just an angry guy in his room in in Neisner. But this is the thing that this is the thing that kind of blows my mind when I got a lot of pushback, particularly from the Daily Maverick crowd, like the Daily Maverick techno crowd, about my opinion. Why do you call them the Daily Maverick techno crowd? Do they share Daily Maverick articles or what's the deal there? Yeah, it's a bit like that. This is the, the. I mean, I'm I'm. This is the thing. I've got to be, I don't want to, but yeah, that's what I mean. It's like centrist techno. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, this kind cool. of, so like from, I mean. I know there's this, a lot of anti-vaxxers in that scene. Well, not just anti-vaxxing, but like they're, more, they're not anti-vaxxers. This is a thing. It's like, I mean, anti-vaxxers can be anything in terms of their political leaning, but it's just more sure. of a kind of like, this is where I, my, my head started getting to spun because it's this apolitical almost anti-political hedonist sort of view of what dance music is of what music is about what all these things are i'm not saying things have to be heavily politicized i'm just saying that that's what's underneath it and to sort of this notion of music is the answer no it's fucking not it drives me insane when people say that because i just think it's so fucking ignorant What's what's but, the fucking um, question? <laughs> that, that's what I want to know. Music is the answer. What is yeah, the exactly. fucking question well, you're asking? The question is normally like, oh well, you know, we've just all got to get together again and and be with each other again. You're not 
it's kind of goes back to a point that I probably just rambled off of, but like, <laughs> I don't like, like I say, for me, I know that what I can do from a political position is not Take those gigs. interact. Yeah. So I don't have to interact with the side of the industry anymore that I find a problem to me and a problem to what I believe I can invest that time in what I think is important. And in terms of what I think the industry could do or should do. And that's all you can do. And you can be, and you like end up like Jerry Maguire and you just say, who else is with me? And you hope that people are with you now on the most. And I've been shown flames over the past three weeks in terms of who you think might be not that I expect it. I'm not saying to people choose. Cause I think the first stage in all of this is all of us admitting a, we are all insane and B, we are all <laughs> fake, right? On that level, yeah. we're totally fake. We've been driven fucking mad. Maybe we can excuse all the crazy things we did to get ahead. But after the point where you acknowledge it, don't fucking do it again. Do you know what I mean? Don't do it again and try something else because you don't have to endorse it. The, the, problem, the problem with like... Yeah. The, the problem with electronic music on some level in this country for a lot of people that hit, you know, um, I'm not talking about the, say I'm a piano or, or like house events yeah, yeah, necessarily, yeah. or like socky treffers, but like the, the, le- the sort of more massive, the, like, like white and in inverted commas music. Cause obviously techno is black, but yeah, like it's the white club. Well, I mean, I mean like there's very few places, not white club, but there's just very few places people can play. So it's withheld. Do you know what I mean? It's not like okay. if you if you want to play like electronic music that's weird, then you've got like one place in Cape Town that you can play, two places in Cape Town you can play. They hold the cards. So you end up in a kind of weird, abusive relationship where if they give you something, you will take it because for them to give you it must mean something because they've never, they've always taken it from you. You know what <laughs> I mean? So like you've got to, that's one thing to deal with. The other side of what I was, I just remembered something I was talking about before that I also kind of, cause this is a problem. I'm going to get rambly. That's, that's the thing. It's like, it's mellow. Yeah. It's mellow, I guess. But anyway, it won't change unless you try and make some sort of a change. And unless you say, yeah. okay. And the first step is to, is just to, like I say, is to just like walk the fuck away and put that time into something that's, that's worthwhile. And that belongs to you that you think is fair minded and approach it that way. And then, you know, like I said, the problem is people are entering into these kind of like abusive sort of relationships where it's like, oh, but you know, I haven't played for two years and now this place wants me to play and it never wanted me to play. It's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, why do I say the things I say? Because I just, I, like I said, I can, I pivoted away from gigs on a certain level way way before the pandemic because it just didn't make any sense for me so that's why i started trying to mix people's music and do production work and sort of like composition for fucking adverts or whatever i could so i didn't have to like go on the road because it never used to re- you know it cost me more money to fucking go and play a gig than it does uh, that i make the it fucking irony like that's the funniest thing about being an artist is Touring is one of the greatest parts of doing this thing. Like I love coming to other cities, you know, to perform comedy. And even when I just used to like hang out with my friends who are in bands, you know, it was wonderful. Like, you know, getting to do that whole thing, meeting different people, seeing different places and all of that. But inevitably you would go home like 
a thousand, two thousand rand in the deep. And like it's like completely and utterly unsustainable. So yeah, I'm with you there on the, like I'm actually I ask some of these things because like I'm struggling at the moment when it comes to my future. You know, I don't fucking know what I can do going forward in terms of career in South Africa that will be sustainable and like genuinely be able to make money for me and also sustain me creatively. So because like I've in a similar way like ostracized myself from the comedy industry. I have said things, I have stood up, I have been the only person to say things sometimes and have people come up afterwards and be like, oh, bro, I really agree with what you said there. And it's just like, well, you could have, you know, said something at the fucking time. And so now me looking forward, I'm just trying to think like, what is the future when it comes to stand-up comedy in South Africa? And what is my future within all of that? So <laughs> I'm with you, man. It's just standing up for what you believe in does actually have consequences and i think that's why a lot of other people might rather talk about it than yeah put their money where their mouths are i guess um anyway. yeah, yeah i guess so i mean i wouldn't say that i i mean obviously i'm not like i'm not saying i'm cancelled because people would say like oh you're cancelled you'll say i'm cancelling people you go yeah who are you gonna cancel now like that's how people i don't want or i'd see on a discord People go, oh, I just hope that JBS don't cancel me. It's like, who am I to cancel people? I'm not canceling anybody. I'm fucking cancelled. I cancelled exactly. myself. I took an eraser and I rubbed myself out. Yeah, it's just do you know it's what a mean? dangerous Nobody thing to, to do. do. But at the same, but at the same time, like I said, for me, it's like, okay, well, it's no great shakes if that's the way it goes at the end of the day, I mean, I do believe in burning your bridges. I'm not one of these people saying never burn your bridge. No, burn them, burn them. Cause then if you burn them, they can't chase after you anymore. You understand? <laughs> it's like just burn yeah. them all. I'd rather do that. It's what I did in the film business to a certain extent. And it's certainly what I've done here. Cause if, at least if I burn it, then it's, I can't ever turn around and go, um, maybe I will, maybe I will. Because if I really fucking set fire to it, it's too. It, that's not. It's never going to happen. You're never going to invite me again. So it's like smoking cigarettes. It's like you can't even. You can't take one puff because then you're back. You can't do that. You just got to walk away. <laughs> I get that. So it's just no. I get that. So it's basically just like this hard line thing of like putting yourself in that position to make sure that you you don't get those bookings that those people don't come calling you that you never have to be tempted into taking one of those gigs or associating with those people because they're never going to fucking call you i think i'm this is sort of like post rationalizing it to a certain extent <laughs> it's cert i'm certainly sort of like i'm sort of like i'm putting it into a perspective that's probably not true but or entirely true but yeah i mean look i just for me, I was just so shocked as to how people operated and what people were willing to accept. And, you know, like, it's like, and it's, it's fucking everyone virtually. It's, it's not because it's just, it's just a ticking clock in a way. It's just a ticking clock for me. Eventually I will play a show. Do you know what I mean? Sooner or later. And then I will become part of this thing in a way that maybe that I was fighting against before the day. I mean, if I was to again, post rationalize or to rationalize that kind of bullshit, I would say, well, at least I waited till there was a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? At yeah, least I me. waited. 
that's the thing. So that's me. Like, I'm like, cool, I've waited to get the vaccine, but I'm still not jumping on stages just yet. Like, I've organized one gig so far. It was outdoors and, you know, people were spaced out. And I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, it's like, I do want to do gigs because I do want people who are vaccinated to have the opportunity to, you know, get entertainment. Since so many people were getting their fucking entertainment unvaccinated anyway. So I do want to try and set up gigs where it is, you know, proof of vaccination and those sorts of things. But I still don't know if that's correct, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, the proof of vaccination thing. The, the, I mean, the thing is, this is just, it's a ship. You cannot turn it around. You know what I mean? It's like it's heading for whatever the fuck it's heading for. And it's just impossible to turn it around. I mean, all you can do right now, you're just slowly putting your foot on the brakes and you're hoping. But I mean, it's like, you know, a vaccination card or proof of vaccination. Yeah. In, in lots and lots of ways is about all you can do to ensure that you've got a relatively safe event. But you've got but the other side of that coin is all the people you're going to be excluding. Yeah. Um, from going especially to for event. people for medical reasons who couldn't get vaccinated and stuff like one of my friends yeah, had no um, a bad reaction to his first jab and he can't get the second jab at the moment so there's going to be a period of time where yeah there's issues so it's diff- yeah i mean i don't know i don't envy anybody doing those things i you know i i think yeah i don't know it's just with no lessons fucking learned that's that's all it's like <laughs> There's just no lessons learned. That's the problem. I keep going round and round the same fucking thing. It's just whatever. Do you know what I mean? That's what I said to you. Yeah, that's what I said to you the other day, though. You know, history always repeats itself, just never exactly. Like, it's just cyclical. Everything that happens will happen again, and nobody fucking learns anything, and you just got to learn to go with the flow or some shit like that. Yeah, but there wasn't, there wasn't, there weren't like fucking, there wasn't techno in the 1916 flu epidemic, you know what I mean, a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, but there were speak there were speakeasies. Like yeah, there were. There were speakeasies. People were jawling. People were having secret parties and stuff like that. Like I did some reading on it. And like what happened then is happening now. Like genuinely, the anti-vaxxers, the people saying that masks cause, you know, all these issues and shit like that. They did this a hundred years ago. Like the same fucking things. Like it's the the level of things not being different between the two pandemics is crazy. And yeah, it's, I don't know. I At some point, I've just learned to accept that there's only so much I can do. And even then, there's not really that much. Like, I'm, I'm not a Martin Luther King type, you know? <laughs> so one man can do a lot, just some men can do more than others. I do want to chat to you, though, about music, because you've got a new album coming out. And it's fucking strange dude like it's a really cool album but you really go all over the show with it like you start off with some metal and gom and then like really just take a bunch of different influences like i feel like there's a bit of like spoko in here and like gom and then metal and then thrash punk and like it's just so interesting so (laughs) what have you been doing at home how did you get to this point that you created this album that I mean, it's still, it's the same. Like, I mean, I've listened to your stuff forever and you do have this way of really just taking a bunch of different influences and creating something completely original out of it. So yeah, what's been the process for this album? I appreciate um, what you said. Um, Thank you very much. 
I don't. Um, I I don't know what the pro. It's hard to say because when you look, but I can't really um, encapsulate it or remember. And in terms of like, it's. I mean, it, what it probably it's is, is fundamentally. A, yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely look like a lot of people over the past couple of years. I've been more and more sort of like living under a cloud. Last and then, you know, last year. I think a lot, a lot of my attitude about the way things have been and why I've been getting so angry sometimes is that, you know, you just lose people. So a friend of yeah. mine passed last June from COVID complications. And then, you know, that was the first one. I was like, oh, fuck. Do you know what I mean? And he was like younger than me. You know what I mean? And so a lot younger than me. And then in other, you know, in other ways, like my neighbor, he just fucking, he was like what he was here, then he wasn't. And then a woman that I know that we know, this little old lady that used to work at Fruit and Veg City, she, and it was all real quick. So like there's yeah. that. And then, yeah. and then people sort of like leaving. Um, Pumlani was one. Pumlani was a really hard one to sort of like, yeah, anyway, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Well, you've got a song that's dedicated. Well, I know you've dedicated this album to both of them, but I know there's a song in particular where you actually even say you're sorry, Pumlani. And what's yeah? What's the why? Why the why do you name it that? Oh, it's hard to say what things. It just means that, I guess. I mean, okay. it's hard to. I find it sometimes hard to talk about. Like, like with anybody that does anything, I'm living it. I mean, I mean. I'm in our house or our little cottage thing that we live in and I'm in the studio, my studio and I'm going mad and I don't know why I do what I do. It just ends up the way that it ends up. I did, you know, where I think, okay, well this tune, wouldn't it sound amazing if there's some like sort of jazz metal fusion shredding solo in the middle of it. And then at the end, it <laughs> sort of like turns into a noise track. Well, that would be a cool idea. And I do it and I go, oh, well to yeah. me, it's cool. A friend of mine listened to it. Superprizes, because that was a dope no, song. I like Super um, Game Superprizes, Gratitude Exercises, and then History of Knives in the beginning is also just like such a solid opener. Yeah, the first track. Okay, and that so that was that one where I, I was like, oh yeah, that makes so it's stuff that just makes sense, and I can't necessarily describe what it is. And in a, in a in like a piece of music like that, I just wrote that piece of music in those few days where I'd find out he'd passed. Okay. And cause I mean, I write music all the time. Not I, if I can, I try and write something every day. I mean, I'm not saying I write Sheesh, really? music every day. Well, not but a piece you, of, you, not a finished you go, you go to the studio and so I well, tried to do this with jokes house. recently, but I've, I've gone off my schedule, but I was doing that just every day. Just, it doesn't have to be a good joke. It just has to be something to, you know? Yeah. Exactly, because then, it, yes, not everything will ever be heard by every heard by everybody, or yeah, you know, you won't present everything to everybody, but you can, you know, if you're doing things where you're kind of like doing it and throwing it away almost, or doing it and it just goes in a pile, and then about a month later, you just go back to the the moment it becomes like the moment you kind of for me anyway, the moment I go, I'm thinking about this now, off. And I often don't have time, you know, like I do things like that sometimes because I'm working all the time anyway. So 
I'm working in my studio on someone's music or writing a piece of music for something or whatever it might be. So I'm here. And in those periods where I'm just, I need to rest my brain, I will sometimes just write something. So, you know, and in the case of that piece of music, I wrote that in those days and it just continued as a piece of music that just stuck in my head. And I thought, well, I want to put it on this record. I did speak with with uh, Lizo. I, I did speak yeah, because there's a bit different in terms of the sound as well, though. Like just in terms of it's it's the song on the album that probably stands out the most in terms of it's not as cohesive, if that makes sense, or at least from my perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, every, everything else is heavier. Yeah, it's definitely there's a lot. Well, there's a lot of that on there. Yeah, and once I kind of. Like once I made the decision on the on that track history of knives, I made a decision. Ah, oh, maybe I think what came first was ah, oh, what would be cool would be if I finished it with like if it just turned into a sort of like a metal track almost, and I had live drums and live guitar and live voice. Yeah, and I play I play the 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 harm the, the chord progression the harmonic progression, you know, like that, and that's what started there. And then I was like. You know what would be cool here? I was also listening to a lot of Alan Holdsworth. So like, so, oh yeah, know. something by Alan Holdsworth or even Vernon Reed's another one. I was listening to a lot of Living Colour and going, oh, some sort nice. of like I could bizarre. Tell. I, told, I yeah. could tell off the first track because like we've discussed your love, like off of, you know, cast and stuff. We've discussed your love of that band. And like, I know them because of CM Punk. And like, yeah, yeah. I heard the riffage coming through on History of Knives. I was like, I know where that's from. It's funny because um, it's once I re- I didn't know that stuff about CM Punk. I think I first saw it on TikTok, or maybe it was it was all happening at the same when he came back. Didn't he come back from wrestling? I'm not really a wrestling fan, but I know yeah, he came you, back. Yeah, he left right? WWE for seven years and then came back to AEW. And then I put up a poll saying like, what will be his entrance music? Because he yeah. had, had an AFI song, he'd had a Kill Switch Engage song, and then yeah, he had that song. He had Cult of Personality. Yeah. What did he come back with? Cult personality. It's 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 synonymous with him now. Oh, okay. It has to. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that was part that was definitely part of it because I was going through a lot of listening to Vernon Reed and listening to Yeah, I mean just shit like that. I mean, I listen to a lot of different music anyway, so and I just thought, oh, that'd be a good idea. And it kind of goes from there. Tracks like tracks like I'm sorry, Pumlani is I mean, it's fundamentally a piece of music that I wrote at the time. And a track which is similar, which is the title track, A Map of the Hills I Chose to Die On. I've had that piece of music since before I put out Obscure Artist Diets in some form or another. And I couldn't, yeah. Originally, I wanted, it was, my intention was it to go on that record, but it didn't go on that record. And so I could never, I don't know, I couldn't, I just couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure out what to do with it. And then I did figure out what to do with it. And then I thought, okay, I'll put that on here. And then we've got these two kind of like, I've also been playing a lot of Nintendo Switch because we brought my, we, 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 we got our kids a Nintendo Switch. So like lots of like fucking games like that, like, OS, you know, those kind of like OSTs were sort of like banging around my head. Yeah. yeah. So that's part of that. And then maybe something a bit more, I don't know, me- mood or melancholic. And then the rest of it is me just sort of like, I guess, fucking around with like, I'm a piano tempos and saying, okay, well, what can you do with this? Which isn't, um, which isn't, uh, what everyone else is doing. That's interesting. You say I'm a piano tempos. Cause I thought it was 
yeah, I thought it was more Bacardi, but like, I mean, I'm not as clued up when it comes to. No, no, you're right. No, but I mean, to me, Bacardi is faster, and Bacardi's obviously. I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm influenced by that. There's no question. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you know, I knew Marvin and that. So, like, it's definitely in there. It's all in there somewhere. And then what? And then you just, I don't really think about it a great deal. It's just sort of very reflexive and reactive and then you just hope okay. but a friend of mine said oh yeah you're going senile i like the f- i like how you go in senile sounds when he heard that first <laughs> that's track. gratitude exercises for sure and yeah yeah absolutely and then i got i worked with um uh, mandisi and cormo on that so he played drums on his it's him on drums on history of knives it's a it's a this french guitar player called leo stalis that's a whole thing that's a hot that <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny happened, but like, you were looking online for it i was looking i well i wanted somebody and then i went I, you know i went on fucking fiverr that that's how gig economy fucked up this whole thing is that i ended up going on fiverr and no i got i did and then the, and got two guys and this one guy had a crack and it didn't quite work but i paid him obviously but it just wasn't right yeah and then i spoke to another guy who was who i was like you know, are you, are you aware of Alan Holdsworth? He's like, oh, yeah, I really like Alan Holdsworth. Well, okay, cool. Think about that. And then, and he's a guy called Leo Stalis, and he's from France, I think. And he did it, and it was a, it was a guy on Fiverr. But it's incredible, do you know That's what I mean? Amazing. Like, and it worked. And I did a bit of editing, and you know, you change a few things here and there. And then it's Mandisi on the drums, and it's him on him on the drums on gratitude exercises as well um okay and that yeah that was just a, that was a song a day one of those things where i was like, I was just right and i was i was doing great it was a period where i was doing gratitude exercises can we talk about those like, how do you feel about gratitude journaling and exercises and stuff because i've i've faded in and out with this shit and at this point i'm just like i'm just lying to myself <laughs> um I mean, I'm grateful every day that I'm here and I've got my family and all of that stuff. And, you know, I enjoy getting small joys, but actually sitting down to write it down, I feel is a little contrived. That I don't do, but okay. I was having, I was having a lot of issues with anxiety. And in the end, like a lot of people, I guess I, I was prescribed well, basically Lexapro and I've never cashed in my prescription. So like, I was always trying to find other ways to to mitigate certain things so gratitude exercises in or trying to keep a present mind was just sure. one of those I'm things there. where you would say i'm thankful for this i'm thankful that i don't write things down um, okay. and journal now but i do but look, my wife does that kind of thing and i think whatever gets you the result that you need and you're not arming anybody else. What difference does it make? Do you know what I mean? To be, if I mean, oh, 100%. If I'm gone, not saying that's the thing. I'm not dismissing gratitude journaling for anyone else. I'm saying for me, like I struggled with it. You know, it's actually sitting down and writing it down. Like I just have a weird internal dialogue that it's constantly argumentative. Like I'm fucking anytime. Like I try and tell myself something positive. You know, obviously there's that voice that's going to argue with me in that. And so sitting down to try and like think of all the things I'm grateful for immediately starts becoming this like exercise and oh I'm grateful for this. And it's like yeah, but also that kind of sucks. And so I've I don't know. Like I just have my own mental issues that 
mean that some of the things in self-help books just don't fucking work for me you know no they don't they don't work for me either really but um i get yeah i mean like i said i was just trying to keep a, as present mind as possible because i knew like if i like i did my driving license in this country but it took me fucking ages to get my driver for years i was driving around without a license like everybody else and then i got caught <laughs> And then once I got caught, I was like, no, I really have to, I really have to sort this shit out. So I did. But like, to get to that stage, I realized why I wasn't, I mean, I'm going off the, I don't want to go too far off topic, but like, I realized what the problem was. And the problem was that I'd be going with whatever I was doing up to the last fucking minute before I had to go and meet Cyril, the guy that I was work, doing it with. At the at the tra- at the training play at the fucking yard or whatever, I'd do that right up to the last minute. I'd be there thinking about the thing that I've got to do after I finish. I wasn't present, and until the one day when I was like, okay, I if I recognise this and I can change it and try and be present, I passed the motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? So like on some level, trying to it's particularly like for me with kids and like a marriage and tr- and trying also not to be an awful human being or whatever like it does help the point but the point of the song yeah. i mean there are lyrics to it i'm not going to say what the lyrics i won't say I what can't the lyrics are, necessarily there are lyrics hear them. I'm, I'm waiting for the i'm no, waiting no, for no, the no, band camp uh, <laughs> the band camp <laughs> like review, i'm waiting for like, the band camp lyrics i don't know if i'll even do the band camp but there are lyrics to it and it is basically talking about being grateful but it's just but I suppose I've just got maybe a similar thing to you where I'm arguing with myself and almost kind of taking the piss out of it <laughs> just to to also then deal with that aspect of it. So, you know, that and obviously that song is just like a fucking barrage of like noise, really. And Yeah, that's the thing. I thought you were being sarcastic with the, the tattling of the song. Yeah, no, it's kind of sarcastic, but there's a real I mean, it's it's, you know, it, I guess there's an aesthetic from the label also where uh, the and Shaheen also has where we've all yeah. we've kind of dipped into i you know ironic ironic depression. culture and yeah ironic depression yeah kind of thing and sort of like using that as sort of fodder and it, i mean this i mean i think the next thing i do now i don't want to do something that's as kind of not that this is entirely serious but it is quite, there's a lot in this it's record fucking serious no well, yeah there's a lot in it's not it's, there's a lot in this record which it is pretty heavy and it is you yeah. know it's not very long it's only 21 minutes but it goes no. a lot of places it's and so it's a it's a lot to it's also a lot to take in because it's almost like a sort of like information dump and it's done like through you know now it's going to be this and now it's going to be that and even in the same piece of music it's going to be three or four different things i guess yeah i mean even some of the so drumming quite... like changes and stuff are super interesting and like there's a that's a thing like yeah i'm listening back to the album like there's so many things like i mean i'm going to keep listening to it for a while now because there are there's so many things that each song each time i listen to it it's like oh shit that's nice oh that's interesting so yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for sending it to me because it's basically been the only thing I've been listening to for this last week. Oh, it's the only thing I've been listening to for about a year, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. But I guess my point is just, yeah, maybe next, for whatever I do next on my own, maybe something a little bit, a little bit less. Happier. 
you know yeah maybe yeah just a, and fu- funnily enough actually going uh, having said i am never gonna make club music again i'm not interested in club music or i if i'm interested in anything i'm interested in an in, in intersection of something to listen to and that's kind of maybe got roots in club music now i'm like oh yeah it would be good just to make stuff which is about nothing and which isn't also this sort of like that i'm not crying when i'm doing the mix downs do you know what i mean <laughs> could do without that crying for breakfast so we'll see what happens on the next one but that sounds like a good fucking title for an album (laughs) crying on the mix downs no crying for breakfast breakfast. it was all the the album was almost called crying for breakfast it was one of the titles but it but it but i part of it is like i don't i mean i'm i i don't want to project it's just it's just there isn't there part of the the biggest problems i've had over the past couple of years was a kind of recurrence of sort of suicidal thoughts i guess and so and obviously with what's happened over the past year with people that we know and what life is and what it means and and then fighting with everybody and you know that's where the title kind of, I guess, comes from. And in a way, sort of going, just don't do the same things I did. Do you know what I mean? Here's how to avoid the holes in the ground. I don't know. But but crying for breakfast at one point was was a as an idea. But then I what I probably did was ended up going with the he, you know, the darker one, the heavier one. That's where I think now maybe I just need to kind of just pull back on that a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Because I always will gravitate towards it, but like, you know, I will, I always do gravitate, I guess, towards sort of slightly dark stuff or that kind of thing. Sad, bit melancholic, but dramatic. Maybe now just do something which is just beats. Anyway, whatever. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. So I don't know if you've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, but a part of me just like, imagines um ben affleck saying to you you know look at this morose motherfucker (laughs) you you do have a generally morose disposition but i relate to that man and i also on the suicidal thing have dealt with that my entire life and thanks to meditation like it has helped a little bit but that's not (laughs) like at sometimes it's not enough you know and i totally relate and i think this last year has I think that's the one thing where, I mean, we've lost some friends to it and we're going to keep losing friends to it. And it's just a matter of, yeah, trying to keep our chins up and not delve into that too much. But at the same time, it is there. It's this fucking sort of Damocles that I think if you're someone who deals with suicidal thoughts, it's always going to be there and it's always going to impact your work no matter what. You can't get away from that. But sometimes, you know, you can just try and be sunshine and rainbows and maybe that'll help. I mean, if anything, I mean, I'm probably like manic, do you know what I mean? Which is probably not, a, sure. you know, you know, cause I can either be like an idiot and, and feel very happy. And like a lot of people, you just sort of like fluctuate and maybe more so just with the nature of things, it's hard to ride these waves the way that we're riding them. You know, if it's, you know, yeah. now, you know, load shedding has started at two o'clock and 
know, there's no water and there's fucking, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and everything else is going on and it's just like, pile it on. How much, exactly. how much can your, how much can you, can you withstand? Do you know what I mean? At what point do you, what point do you, do you break? break? Yeah. I'm not saying that like load shedding is going to make me like walk into the lagoon, obviously, but like. Not you, but you like know. it can be something that can be the final step for someone. Someone with no, a of it can business, be. someone trying to sell chickens, you know, like, I mean, obviously there's a million different people who are affected by these things in a million different ways and it affects all of us and it's the compounding effects of all of it. That's the biggest problem. It's like, it's not just load shedding and it's not just, you know, a pandemic and it's not just global warming. It's the fact that all of it's happening at the same time that makes it I mean, all just so overwhelming to deal with. But I mean, obviously everything what was going on at the same time, it's just exactly. that people didn't know it was. And now it's, now it's compounding. Well, it's, yes, but it's, is it, is it compounding because it's in reality compounding or is our is it compounding perception. in our perception because we are just more fucking aware you know who read very few people read newspapers very few people watch the news you know when i was a kid there was newspapers there was three channels there was a news at nine o'clock in the morning there was a news at one o'clock in the afternoon there's a news oh, but at have, five. i was gonna say have you watched the news lately because like watching e-news whilst i'm up here with my family is the most horrific thing i can think of like I, honestly i watch and i just sort of gasp at like what our media is <laughs> like the stories they choose to tell the way they choose to cover it it's just sensationalist nonsense yeah i suppose the the, the, the I, I guess the only different other than the content and obviously the, the problem is that when you you know it's this it's the idea of passive versus kind of active or or there's a difference when you're scrolling through a and you, you know you're you're scrolling through things until something occurs to you to look at and then it normally is versus seeking it out to look at rather than seeking it out to a certain extent one can seek out the news and then but i mean i understand what you're saying the news is not you know the problem is the news is in competition with anymore. your phone and in competition with you no it's with it's got well it's probably not the news anymore i mean i don't that's the thing i don't watch the news what i do is i scroll through things and i see everything is happening at the same time and i go a bit mental like everybody else yep. whereas before everything was going on at the same time but i didn't but know what was happening yes of course because it was like what is going on on my street as opposed to you know i, I know more what's going on in Myanmar than I do what's going on in the complex where I live. And that's a fact, right? Like right now, <laughs> someone's asking. We all know. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? It's like, what's, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying maybe, you know, it's the way it is. Am I, am I doing that because I can't handle the complex or is it just a whole of, you know, what the fuck is it? I mean, I am, we have got a complex WhatsApp group now. So, I mean, that's, and that's a lot of fun. <laughs> to uh, to be part of other people's insanity, you know what I mean. Involuntary WhatsApp groups, are the, like that's the thing. Like WhatsApp groups are the where things are the most lit. I think in South Africa, which is why I try my best to avoid them. Um, I'm gonna have to love and leave you though, because yeah, I've got families coming back. I've got dogs barking. Yeah. I've got you know to get going. But thank you so much for this chat. We got man. something. Like, I, I think we caught quite a lot there. 
And as I was going to say, like personally, this has been super helpful for me because you are someone I look up to and who I think makes a lot of choices that I admire and would in some cases like to make the same ones. And in some cases, you know, maybe not make it so hard for myself. So I don't know. Thanks for no, yeah, I just mean, sharing with me. You can watch me. somebody else do it. You can watch somebody, you can watch somebody <laughs> else do it, mate. Yeah, I don't have That's to b- burn my own career to the ground. I can watch you do it. No! just live vicariously through me it's all good i'm never leaving nice now i'm never gonna get out of this fucking town is that a good thing or a bad thing oh we need to we need the whole family we need to get out we do need to get out we are gonna get out we're just waiting for the opportunity to get out but uh yeah we are getting the fuck out as soon as we can just for a bit just for a little bit like a few days the kids need it and, and my wife needs it and the dog, well, the dog doesn't really, the dog doesn't care whether it takes a dump in the park here or takes a dump in Plettenberg in an Airbnb. It's all the same with the dog. As long as we're with her, she doesn't mind. So, yeah, eventually we will. We'll get the fuck out of it and hopefully see you one day. Yeah, that will happen. Uh, like, it, it will. Like, maybe in this next year or so. But cool, bro. Thank you once again for your time. And then one more thing. When does the album come out? The album comes out on the 3rd of December. Yeah, cool. early it? Christmas present. Yeah, yeah, 3rd of December. It's the next Bandcamp day. So I'm lumping, because I was <laughs> going to put it out on the 19th, and then I saw, which is Friday, and then there's a few things we decided not to do that. But I also saw, after I said, yeah, I'm going to definitely do this thing on the 19th, fucking Adele's like, my album is coming out on the 19th. I'm, like, I'm not going to, not that I'm fighting against Adele, but it's like, nah, just let these let all that shit just blow over. Do you know what I mean? Rather just do Bandcamp Day and stick with your people. 